I'm Anthony Gallegos. It, we're recording live in front of a live studio audience of, <laughs> of children running outside our door today. With me is Arthur Geese. Matt yep. Sh- well, <laughs> you put a delay in there. I wasn't sure. You got you to jump on it. Arthur Geese. Yep. <laughs> Matt Chandrenay. We need to reinstate summer school or something, don't we? And, uh, or beatings. And Ryan O'Donnell. <laughs> Salutations. I'm all um, about beatings. Especially of children. So, this week, I've played two terrible things. I'm just going to get them off my chest. All right. <laughs> I played one which was... This isn't your confessional. Which was backstab for iOS. And the only reason I bring that up is backstab. I've been trying to bring up less iOS games, but this one is like a game loft joint. So, you know, they, they're like known for doing like console-like experiences. Mm-hmm. It looks like a thing you know. This, yeah, yes, exactly. this, is, this is their Assassin's Creed ripoff, uh-huh. but it's very, it's very badly done. The combat's really? super... Yeah, it's very bad. Ooh. Combat's super boring. Usually Gameloft doesn't get it totally wrong like exactly. that. Exactly. And the and even though the controls you can move the buttons around and stuff, you still have to move the right camera around w- with the right side of the screen and all the buttons are right there. And to keep them oh, accessible, you end up overlapping like attacking when you don't mean to. Did you try installing that's your little really stick bad. to the screen? Well, for the for the analog stick on the left side, it's awesome. Yeah. But game's just not good. That's all I'm going to say about it. Just don't Gameloft joints don't are usually it. pretty good, but this yeah. one not so hot. Um, Good to know. The other bad game I played is I played Call of Juarez, the cartel. It's multiplayer. Man, that game is busted. <laughs> really? That game, that game, you know, like people say it all the time, like it looks like a game from Xbox, but it really does. Would you like to tell mm-hmm. the audience what the title of your preview for that game was this week? It just was, my preview just was Call of Juarez, the cartel it needs to be delayed. That's all I said. Oh, Jesus Christ. Because wow. it's coming out July 19th. Because I really liked the last Call of Juarez. I did too. Uh, yeah, yeah, and this one is just like... Busted, it looks like a dated-ass game, but it's, like, running not even at, like, 30 frames a lot of times. Is it the same company? Yeah. But they're also busy making Dead Island. Oh, they? okay. Yeah. Isn't that the same company? I... Is it Techland making yeah, I thought Dead it was, Island? I thought it was. Yeah? Well. Hmm. Um, that bodes really well for Dead Island. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. I thought it was Dead Island. Well, I've played Dead Island, too, and I thought Dead Island multiplayer co-op was pretty fun. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, this game's not like... cancer? This game's really busted. And it's really not fun, and it's just got nothing going on to make it, like, worth, like, taking more than, like, a passing glance at. Like, you know, why would you play this as opposed to any other team mm-hmm. shooter out there? The one Cowboys. thing I did like is that you can partner up with someone. So, like, if me and you are partners, like, police partners, when we're around each other, we have more health. We do more damage. So there's, like, a, a reason to stay with two people, like, two people together at the same yeah. time. But, man, that's just a really crappy game. Like, I would... That is a buyer beware if it's actually coming out July 19th. Wow. So, um, on the good side, though, I played a free game. It's coming out. It's going to be hot shit called Civ World. Nice. And it's actually being programmed by Sid Meier. This is a game being, this is the first game since Civilization Revolution that yeah. he's been, he's making. Wow, himself. like physically programmed. He is there. He is the lead programmer. That is so cool. On it. Um, and really unlike Civ Five, it. it might actually run on your computer. It, this, this, yeah, this definitely runs because it's a Facebook. It's, game, it's a Flash right? game. So, yeah, oh, yeah. It's a Flash game. Okay, maybe it won't. Um, <laughs> at least I think it's Flash. I mean, 
I'm pretty sure it is. Um, I don't know probably. what it is. I think it might be JavaScript and HTML5. Really? That could very well that be. That would be even more awesome. It's more likely could... to work in browsers yeah, that way. That's probably Because then, right. then I could play it on my iPad. But, uh, or iPhone. Or iPhone, yeah. So, you know, it's it's this... It's 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 like civilization revolution in some ways. It, like, in the sense that it feels like it's very much walking you through the whole process. Mm. And the art style is very much civilization revolution. But the game is is the most elaborate Facebook game ever done, for sure. It's it is very much still super complex. The way it works is that when you start, you start in whatever your Facebook is, your name is. So in this mm-hmm. instance, you'd be in Mattville, <laughs> and so you start in Mattville, and it's basically your own little city state. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And your little world that you explore and populate is separate from everyone else. Mm. But the way it works is that you're creating your own little city state, basically. Where, you know, instead of the old game where buildings just kind of did their own thing, every building requires a worker to get a resource. So you're still dealing with science, gold, culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but to get those things, you have to build You have to build up a population. Each population you get allows you to build one, like, set of village, like, little village for workers. Mm-hmm. And then you assign those workers a job. So they either, if you assign them, like, to go mine stone or you just make them workers they'll find the nearest resource that makes production mm-hmm. whereas if you assign them to be merchants that makes gold so gotcha. you kind of have to focus your workers and constantly change their jobs to get the resource you need and you can go to a marketplace and sell off things like you can sell off culture if you have a ton of that and buy production and determining how you do that you determine the market because okay the way it works is at any time 200 players are in a game together mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so if you were to go in all of a sudden Matt and fucking just sell culture all mm-hmm. kinds, the price would go way down. Right, so then the other players could buy culture for way cheap. Right. So it is a global market that other people can influence. Wow, that's cool. Um, so the way it works, though, is that your little city-state, you as a player, you can never be a civilization. But to become a civilization, you have to band together with other players. Uh, so a civ is, is a confederacy of players, basically, right. banding together. And so once you do that, you share science towards like research goals, so, like, you might all together be like, we are going to research math. Mm. We want to become the first in mathematics. And the way it works is that each civilization has a victory that they're trying to achieve in each period. So, like, in the early, like, in the ancient period, mm-hmm. it might just be the first to writing if you want to go, like, that way. There's also a military way. There's a way to win each one, mm-hmm. but for each period. So, you go each period to the game. And, you know, you can still make war on each other, but that's not like you actually invade. It's actually that... Everyone in the little confederacy basically musters up troops hmm. and puts them on the field of battle and then two armies wage and then I'm not exactly sure yet what right. happens <laughs> when somebody wins. Do they right. know yet what happens? They, they do. I think out. I think for sure that there are certain objectives like win 10 military victories against other players is like a way to win certain times. So when you say win military victories against other players, are you saying these confederacies? Yeah, like a conf- one, one on the battlefield, you, you won. Gotcha. Because, like I said, everyone, you know, it's it's almost like, uh, you know, the king comes to his lords and is like, gather up some villagers, we're going to war. So you're like, well, I have five pikemen, here you go, they'll be on the front oh, line. All right, okay. Um, and so then after everyone, you get like four hours to plan it. And mm-hmm. so then everybody comes together after four hours and throws their troops out and wow. it works itself out. Um, That's pretty crazy. So where does the free-to-play stuff come in? What are you buying? What you buy is a... Uh, because they're not doing this for the no. their hearts. So it is generally, it is it is totally free to play. The only stuff I've seen that you can buy is there's going to be obviously skin stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, 
like reskinning items and you have a throne room where all your achievements are displayed and you can mm-hmm. definitely buy items mm-hmm. for that so there are civ mm-hmm. bucks right right and you can use civ bucks to buy things like extra resources but the way they get around not letting this completely fuck up the balance is like you can only ever spend 10 civ bucks a day on anything mm-hmm. that will affect game balance hmm. anything so that wow, as to minimize it yeah, yeah, but yeah. they still allow it to a small extent um but uh so that's the way they're tra- planning on trying to make money mm-hmm. but you really don't have to do that at all mm-hmm. it's just like oh you can also spend civ bucks on buying harvests and what harvests allow you to do is <laughs> while you your workers do trickle in resources to you very slow you can also mm-hmm. click buy use harvest and when you use a harvest it takes the maximum from each of like what your workers are set to so if like they're set like you have a bunch of guys doing production it might say like 20 production if you click harvest you'll get 20 production oh, right then okay. and there but you're limited to how many harvests you have, and they accrue like one per hour of real time. Right, right, right. So if you get impatient, you can buy X amount of real harvest if you wanted. Otherwise, you can just let them accrue. And they accrue like even right now while I'm not playing, I'm accruing harvest. Right, yeah. Um, and I believe I'm trickling resources. Like the game's still going on even Probably. though I'm not well, there. Well, that's usually the way they get these games work. Is right, yeah. I mean, it's persistent. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so, and it's, you know, just like I was talking earlier about kings and barons and stuff. The person who is has the most fame in the civilization does become the king. Mm-hmm. And then the person that's like the most focused on culture becomes like the cultural minister. The person that's most focused on economics becomes the economics minister. And if you go to like the little structure of your kingdom, you'll actually see like their picture, their mm-hmm. Facebook profile. And mm-hmm. you can actually go and look at their cities and see what they're building. At any given time, anybody in the game, basically, you can pop in and take a look at their city. Wow. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's like full on civ. In a lot of ways. So what did you say, like, the maximum for each game is 200 people? Mm-hmm. And supposedly games take anywhere from a week or longer to play from start to finish. Wow, that's cool. So? So it sounds, uh, it sounds simple, but complex. Yeah, but right underneath the game, the, the window you're playing in, is a Civlopedia. Right there on the same page. <laughs> right. That you can click through without refreshing the browser. You know, it has, like, a wiki built into the page. Wow. So that yeah. you can dig really deep into it mm-hmm. they've really considered that for a lot of people it's going to be complex and they do walk you through goals like you can turn them off if you want but it'll constantly give you quests like build another worker and it'll mm-hmm. give you like plus two fame for building another worker mm-hmm. so it'll it'll kind of it like like a viva pinata it'll constantly give you like micro objectives right to make you feel like you're working towards something so, so. these and these I wonder if these micro objectives are ever contrary to like an overall objective that you or that the civilization might that have. That could be. Like it might be put a bunch of science into this and maybe you guys are going for a military victory. Right. So yeah. you can skip that. And if you skip the quest, a new one will pop up shortly. Oh, okay. So it's not like you're totally fucking yourself by not doing that. Right. But yeah, I mean, it. you know, it's funny when we were having the demo, I kept on asking about all these potential exploits that I wanted to do. <laughs> right. And, they, and, and, and like, I will say they thought of that. They have thought about them. Right. Like originally when they told me there was a king and stuff, uh-huh. I was like, oh man, so can I start like emailing people in my thing, like to their personal Facebook and being like, dude, I need 30 gold from you or you're fucking out like, <laughs> right. of this civilization. But they were like, they're like, no, you can't do that. Like people can join. The only thing you can do is you can. As the king, you can put down a, a civics mandate that no other people can join your civ. Are you trying to be uh, the first person in civ world to have his people revolt? Yes. Yeah, that's the other thing. Is I, was, I was like, I noticed when I mouse over my workers, it says they're content. Is there like a way I can just be like, no fucking breaks. Everyone works through every break, you know, just to get a bit of my production. But you can't do that for now. One thing is lacking. And granted, right now it's in closed beta. It's mm-hmm. not done. 
but I did find it a little strange that no matter what civilization I play, they're all a bunch of white people. <laughs> so. That is a little strange for a Facebook game. Yeah. Right. They're just, yeah, I, I, I think it's just that they haven't implemented it. Um, well, maybe it's just because all civilization yet. stems from white people. I mean, that's true, right? Right. That's what the history books say. Mm. Right. We started as crackers. So. <laughs> I love Ritz. And slowly so yeah, everyone got sunburned. It's going to be a very, it's going to be a very different civ, you know, in yeah, the sense yeah, yeah. that you're not like actively moving units around a map, running into right. other civilizations, that right. sort of thing. But it it is very much like a town building sim connected mm. to a larger social game that well, is, I think has the, bigger implications. So you very much are something bigger than yourself. You know, you are a yeah. part of a civilization rather than the overlord. Of that's a really cool. I mean, like a, a civilization revolution proved that they can play with the formula and still produce a perfectly good game. Yeah, I mean, this is, like I said, this is not a substitute for something like Civ Five. Yeah, it's just a different sort of Civ experience where you still get that like constant like you know i love working and building a tiny city it's not turn-based either so it's, right. it's always going you know right. and it's cheap and, and it's free cheap. yeah the not turn-based thing is what throws me off a little bit yeah yeah but that's why they do things like they give like a five hour or four hour window before mm-hmm. battles start and stuff so that in theory if you were doing something else you could check in and see right mm-hmm. right and it sends facebook notifications to you and if you had a smartphone you would find out like America's going to war. And you'd be like, "Oh shit, I need to log in and fucking dedicate some troops." We should so. uh we should start up a new civ. We'll call it America. With oh, the, I don't U. think you can create your own civs, unfortunately. Oh. Currently, I am an American. Oh, okay. Um, I joined up with some Americans. So, oh, okay. If you want to switch, you got to move. You, that's the thing is you can <laughs> you can join a civilization and you can abandon them and join another one if like and they can totally lure you over. They can send you a private message and be like I know the civilization you're in. We know they're only to writing, but look, we're all the way here in our science. So you would gain access to all of this if you just join us, and we could really use the culture bonus you have. So if so. you if you were to leave a civ with a high technology level and go to a civ with a lower one, would you take that technology with you? I, I believe you do not. Damn. You just get the yeah. benefits of that, but you do not take. This. So you can't just like jump back and forth and get the best of it everything. It does seem like there should be some kind of espionage, right? Thing. Like some industrial espionage. Yeah. Well, that would be super cool. Right. I mean, I guess you could always just be a dick and join a civ, and they're like, we're all working towards science, and you're like, not me, all I'm making is artists. We're all <laughs> artists over here. Because artists are useless, man. It's true. Yep. Good for nothing. Compared to yep. science. <laughs> artists ain't going to make gunpowder. So, um, that's that's what I know about Civ World so far. I've only played like a couple hours. Sounds but like it, is, fun, it is very... It is, it, for like the last hour of work, it was bad because i was like i need to answer this email wait wait wait! but somebody just messaged me about going to war and, you know <laughs> it's definitely one of those dangerous games that could be kept up in the background all hey, the work time. destroyer yeah yes yeah it, uh, they are definitely onto something with it but i think it's cool you know it's kind of a cool trend of facebook games that actually look kind of legit just like there was that other one at e3 that was the neverwinter game mm-hmm. it was like a legit turn-based D D rules RPG. That's cool, but I, I only play Google Plus games now. So, Google, is, do those really exist? Is that like a thing? No, I was no. just Google around. Plus exists. It's not. A, it's they yeah. don't have games yeah, yet. That's yeah. <laughs> it's a Google social network. But uh, that's it for yeah. me. Wow. Well, free to play is totally taken over because uh, you know after the TF2 announcement last week, which was. Uh, dude, like I've that, already that, I've already seen the effects because I play so much. The TF2 amount of TF2. Being played before and after that yeah. announcement, TF2 has never outranked Counter Strike in players ever. 
right Steam. until now and now it's outranking like three to one yeah it's like crazy yeah. <laughs> wow it is and it's like they put up a whole bunch of you know valve servers obviously which just weren't there before and like if you click like just player matching start playing it'll usually jump you into one of those like i haven't really seen it jump me into some other random server yet i don't know if it actually can or not or if when you do whoa there go the kids there go the kid parade not it. You're it. I'm it. We're all it. Let's go. Need a spike strip in front of the door. <laughs> Put down some flypaper. Catch them all there. Anyway, I'm sorry. K- kids are awesome. Um, I just I my my thing about this is that I think it's rad. Yeah. The TF2 and WoW are both moving in that direction. The TF2 is is there, and that WoW is like, well, you get 20 levels, then you can pay us. Mm-hmm. But the, these are both games where they wow maximized. like that now. Yeah, yeah they 20 just levels. That. Yep. yep, first 20 levels for just free. Just happened. Oh wow, I did yesterday. I did not know. Two races yeah. from the Burning Crusade. <laughs> well, if they're yeah. losing subscribers at this point, why not? So yeah, exactly. that's the thing is that like these are games that are sort of approaching the tail end of their their monetary their monetization period maybe so. i mean tf the reason i think the reason why they did this with tf2 is because tf2 keeps picking up and because like the microtransactions were getting more and more successful the more they like integrated them with the game and it's a way to get more people to download steam exactly. because they know they can play a game for free yeah. although i don't know that most of the people who would true. actually be interested in playing free tf2 didn't already have steam right, true but true they might have told some friends that didn't before and now they got the marketplace in front yeah. of them yeah but i mean it's uh it's interesting to hop into these Valve servers and play with a whole bunch of people that have never played TF2 before because they they do really stupid things all as a group. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Like, they don't know yeah. how to play for That would be the all. team I yeah. So, like, yeah, you can yeah, tell all the people play. that don't know how to play, they all run out together, and then there's, like, yeah. a b- chunk, and you're like, well. <laughs> it's so funny because, like, on payload, payload is where you have to stand next to this vehicle that moves really slowly along the track. You're basically escorting a bomb. You're escorting yep. a bomb, yeah. And the other team is trying to keep you from getting, from the bomb getting to various checkpoints. And... uh you know, you'll see people like the defenders won't know that, okay, the bomb is about to get to the checkpoint. If you go on the defending team and you have people stand next to it, then it won't advance. You know, they'll all just stand back firing at a distance and things. So, I mean, it's funny to watch stuff like that happen and just like, you know, want to f- virtually facepalm yourself. But then I'll hop into a bunch of servers that I have favorited where everybody there is still a veteran. Playing in the pro zone. Yeah, playing in the pro zone. And then all I hear in chat is about how much they hate playing on the Valve servers <laughs> because of, you know, they're surrounded by idiots. But it's also funny when, like, you play on a Valve server and somebody's a really good spy and all you see is backstab, 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 backstab. No one's used to that. <laughs> yeah. That's a good idea if you just want to rake up your knocks. spy crap real fast. Yeah, exactly. So it's, uh, I'm, just, I'm just glad that TF2 has been such a long-term success for those guys. It's great. I still enjoy it. I just forget to ever make time for it. Yeah. It's like it's been my obsession for a while now. Is People are probably sick of hearing me talk about it. But the other game that I'm playing that's sort of along these lines is uh, Tiny Tower on my iPhone. And uh, it's pretty cool. It's the same kind of thing. It, it plays itself even while you know, you're not doing it. And it has a microtransaction model. You can get these tower bucks. Is it so free can- to play initially? Or is it I'm you buy it like for a dollar and then there's... I'm pretty sure it's free to play initially. Honestly, I can't remember. So it was either 99 cents or it was free. And same thing. Yeah, same thing. But it's uh, you build a so you build floors of towers and then people of a tower and then people come and move into them and you have one elevator that moves up and down the tower 
And it sort of keeps you engaged because the towers, it's sort of a self-running thing, a little bit like what it sounds Civ is like, what it sounds like Civ is like. Because you'll have people, you'll put in a residential floor and then people will move into the residential floor. And then you assign them jobs to any of the commercial floors that you have because apparently every tower, the people <laughs> only work where they live. And uh, people, as the people move in, you'll be like, oh, okay, this person has this kind of dream job. Well, I'm going to build a creative floor <coughs> because there are three people that want to be, that want to work in a pottery, uh, a pottery uh, studio. And... Uh, but those three people, you know, you, you build the creative floor and the creative floor will just pop in with some random business. You have no control over it. It might be a photo studio. It might be something an artist creative studio. Linked. But just something creative linked, yeah. And, you know, people will have uh, each, of your, each of your residents has different skills. And when you put them in a business that's right, correctly associated with their skills, then when you restock that business, it doesn't cost as much. And but you have to restock every business when it runs out of merchandise. And that's one of the other things you end up spending your in-game currency To me, on. it sounds like you're describing a game that appeals to the same part of me that likes things like Game Dev Story, all these yeah. management sims. Like, that's what, that's what you're describing to me that sounds hot. Yeah, it's <laughs> basically what it is. It's like, a, it's like a tower Tamagotchi. Also, there's also a new story game out there for people that don't know. If you're on Android, Grand really? Prix Story. If you're on iPhone, it's uh, Academy Story, where you're a kid going to school. Wow. So they did specific stories for each platform? Yeah. Huh. That's I'm sure why. they'll cross them over at some point, and yeah. I will buy both. <laughs> Kairosoft. I never did get into Hot Springs Story. Well, it's okay. I was a fucking <laughs> bear, a spa baron. <laughs> um, but yeah, it is that kind of game. Super Stickman Golf was the game you talked about last week, and yeah. I'm just going to say I agree with you. That game's awesome. Easily nice. one of the best iOS games I've played in a long time. Yeah, it's crazy how much content's in that game too. Yes, for especially for a dollar, yeah. they just keep adding more. Yep. So, so uh, so good. Um, and then I also played um, a game, another iPhone game. It's called Surveillance. Not that good. I kind of don't recommend it, so I'm just not gonna. Well, get, put it out there. It. Just put it out there that you Surveillance should. Surveillance is a first-person yeah. game where you're sort of trying to avoid cameras that uh, are in the environments. The environments themselves sort of look like the. I don't know if you ever saw the challenge maps from Mirror's Edge or or like the VR training missions from Metal Gear Solid. Okay, yeah, those look entirely cool. different from each other. Yeah, but he's talking. I'm about talking about flat shaded. It's simple, oh, okay, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms of the overall aesthetic, yeah, sort way of different. Geometric. Yeah, yeah. geometric. So really simple. Spy, basically. Well, basically, there's a camera at the top of some uh, geometry, and then your idea. <clears throat> what you have to do is you have to move from place to place, avoiding the camera as it looks around the map, trying to find you. And, you know, like, and basically anywhere that you tap on the screen, your guy just sort of, you as the player, you just sort of glide to that location. So you have to be able to see a floor so you can tap on it. So uh, let's say, um, you know, you see something that's just barely... It's just barely low enough so that when you aim the camera at it, you can see the floor. You tap on it, and you'll go up a little bit higher to that area. But the whole time, you have to pay attention to where the camera is. So you're always looking for points of occlusion from the camera, basically? Exactly, yeah. And, or to, like, you know, <laughs> outrace the camera as you're trying to climb up towards it. And the idea is to get to the base of the camera, and, uh, you know, it, that's how you win. If you get to the base of the camera without it seeing you. It sounds cool. It sounds cool, but the controls are really awkward. Mm. Um, like uh, the camera's controlled by tilting your iPhone, and it just it feels really weird. It doesn't it the the camera just doesn't move well. And quite often you'll tap on an area, 
and you and you're like i can see that i'm tapping on it you're not letting me go to it i can't figure out why so it's like mist yeah <laughs> it's just uh it's i don't know it if it, it feels like a really cool concept it just isn't done mm. which is a bummer because you know i always want to like every iphone game because i'm that way <laughs> ryan Mm-hmm. Tell us about. Well, I got one. So oh, okay, oh, go for it. I have one more. Frozen Synapse. Oh yeah. Okay, well, I we talked. We, Tyler told us about that a while back ago. He did. And I have been meaning to play. Have you ever gotten around to trying? I fucking bought it, and I haven't played it. Okay. Jeff Green has gotten more out of my money for that game than I have. Yeah, yeah, that's the cool <laughs> thing is every copy you buy comes with the second. Yeah, copy. and it was really awesome. One of the one of the listeners gifted me a copy, and uh, I started playing it. Thank you very much. It's an awesome game. I really want to. That game, I like the look of it, and I like just the idea yeah. of hardcore turn-based Oh, man, strategy. and, like, if you don't do everything exactly right, you super get your ass kicked, too. I mean, like, you've really got to pay attention and use all the right commands and the right timing, and the interface for it is really good, except that I, I wish that you could... Because, you, you know, you make a bunch of points, like a bunch of uh, waypoints on, along a path, and there doesn't seem to be a way to just... Uh, modify one of the mid paths along the ow sorry she's a whore anthony's cat just jumped on my lap and i'm wearing pants that have substantial holes in them and her claws dug into my leg to climb up so that was awesome anyway don't be a pussy uh, i know i see you did there yeah i appreciate it but yeah frozen synapse so far is really cool it seems like it's like the game that the people that lament the days of you know old rainbow six tactical planning before a mission this is like the game if you loved doing that yeah that's all this game is right without the first person part it's just doing the tactical planning step by step and it's turn-based without being on a grid or anything like that so it's fun it's really good so far i'm enjoying it so the setup for me is that I haven't been playing very many games for about a, two months, but I have played two games. But you've played one that both you and Arthur have played. Right. So that would be Child of Eden. I played that. Magical. It's pretty good. Uh, we played with Connect first, obviously, because yeah. we got one. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, I had a pretty good time with it. I was actually really, really, really afraid leading up, in the lead up to this game. I was as well. Did the Connect was suck? No, no, no. Actually, I, the Connect thing always sounded pretty good to me. Uh, I, mean, I was terrified of the Connect thing because the one time that I played it last year, it was a fucking abomination. Yeah, see, I, I had never played it, so I just assumed, oh, they'll they'll work it out. And every time I was reading about it, you know, I had heard from people that played it at E3 the prior year that mm-hmm. the Connect stuff just seemed real slow. It wasn't really working great, but that was so long ago. I figured they'd sort it out by the time the game came out. I was worried about. And at the end of the day, you can play. I knew you'd be able to play it with a controller. So, if the Kinect controls suck, I can always go back to controller. Exactly. Yeah. So the thing that bothered me about it is every time I would see video or pictures of the game, the aesthetic just didn't appeal in the same way that Res did to me personally. I was sort of afraid that we were just going to be seeing. Lumi running around all over the place. Lumi, the whatever, 18-year-old girl that... Asian space girl? Yeah. <laughs> first girl born in space. That she And, and she is everywhere in the, the game. The digitized but, yeah. consciousness of the first girl born in... Right, 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 right. <laughs> don't, don't try it's, to... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, basically, it looked too colorful. Uh, I think I'm quoting Phil Fish here. He made a comment uh, saying that it looked like a, you know, 
Bryce 3D or Kai's Power Goo <laughs> uh, screensaver from the from 1994. <laughs> and I and I I always said this thing this game looks like a trapper keeper to me, <laughs> and um, so I was really afraid. And more more than the the visuals, I was afraid for the music because the you know the music was such a key component. Especially, well, why, why would you be afraid for that though? Coming from who it's coming from? Because they uh, they had said that it was rockets. all Genki Rockets tracks. And mm, the great yeah. thing about the last game was that each each stage was done by a different DJ, so um, you know it all sounded different. But this time it was all Genki Rockets tracks, but they got somebody different to remix each stage. Precisely. Yeah, which and is really smart. The visuals are good. It looks really good. Um, it's still, I still sort of prefer the the vectory aesthetic of Res, and overall, I like Res better. I think it's a better experience for the time in which it was released. Personally, I enjoy it more. I think that Child of Eden, um, if you play it with a controller. I mean, it is it is res. <laughs> Not yeah. only does it, it is because if you read the plot synopsis, such as it is of res, it references the same fucking shit. Yeah, like mm-hmm. this isn't a spiritual successor. This is the fucking sequel to res. Yeah, 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 yeah it is res. And wasn't that always what they said it wasn't? Like, Eden, yeah, yes, it's always what they said it wasn't. Eden yeah. is the is the database that you're flying through in res. I think I believe that is true. It's been a while since I looked at the storyline for yeah. Res, but I, I remember thinking like this is the this is essentially the exact same game. It's there, weird that they there, wouldn't just call it like it is and call it a sequel. Then I mean, think maybe it's they want people thing, to buy I think. it this time <laughs> or that. Um, I I did really enjoy the game though. There are certain things I don't like. Like I don't really like that you end up having to replay stages to make your. You have to like um, grind. Yeah, you have to get credits mm-hmm. to unlock That's new really stages. A bummer. Yeah, it and it it doesn't need to be there. It's really Japanese. Yeah. Um, I also, and this is, this may sound stupid, but I really liked in Res. In retrospect, anyway, I really like that Area Five is so much better than all the other stages in the game. Like you play through areas one through four, and by the time you get to the end of Area Four, the boss battle graphically is far more impressive than anything you've seen in the game mm-hmm. by a long shot which is the <laughs> giant running block guy who you right. know that that battle is amazing yeah. and then you load up area five and instantly graphically it's f- far better than anything you've seen except for maybe the running guy and the music <laughs> the fear is the mind killer track by adam uh freeland freeland is way better than any of the tracks in the game yeah and that stage is like four times as long as any of the tracks or any of the stages in the game. It is just like, it is the fucking exclamation point at the end of the game. Yeah. And in Child of Eden, uh, it doesn't really work that way. And Five they still... is a little harder than four, but not ball-bustingly so. Yeah, and it, right. it's still just a, a boss rush mode, basically, which, you know, Area 5 in Res has as well. But there's this whole lead-up where they tell the entire story of, like, life growing from nothing in the seas and, you know, leading up to... It's all about evolution. Evoluting, and evolution and moving mankind, into space yeah. and, and into the space digital brains. realm. And, yeah. So Area 5 of Res is still probably the best Res-like stage those guys have ever created, in my mm-hmm. opinion. But... This game's far more even, so every stage in this game is really cool. Um, mm-hmm. And they all look wildly different, and they all are as graphically interesting as Area 5 was in Res. 
and there are children running behind me and screaming. <laughs> but uh, they might be screaming for a different reason soon. True. <laughs> <laughs> this is why some places only Arthur allow does people have one child. <laughs> so we <can> retroactively <laughs> enforce that rule. <laughs> so I'm glad my fears were unnecessary. Like I really yeah. do think this game turned out good. I am slightly disappointed that it's exactly res in terms of the gameplay, but when you play with Connect, um, I feel like that's the reason. That is that it's that is sort of its reason for being. That's what makes it feel new. That that's to me. why it's a retail game and not a downloadable title, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it works. Um, I use the which which control scheme to use, Arthur? I use the the one with the clap and where you can I use either use, hand. <laughs> I don't use the clap. You don't use the clap? Uh, I love the clap. I haven't really <laughs> tried the one with the clap because I used the uh, the clapping method when I played it last year mm-hmm. and that was the experience that soured me and on for people don't Beach. People who don't know, that there's two ways that you can use so, yeah, the two weapons in the so game. So the, the two ways you can control Child of Eden is the way that... Uh, the default it, way is left That Ms. Right Gucci hand. showed it at, mm-hmm. at E3 last year. Right. Which is to move your right hand and to clap to switch weapons between lock on and mm. rapid fire. You can actually use either hand in that. In the clapping okay. scenario, well, it doesn't matter. I mean, you aim with a hand and clap to switch. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other method, the default method, is to move your right hand for lock on and your left hand for rapid fire. Correct. Um, I found, I guess, more success with the the alternating hands because clapping seemed to take too long. The problem that I had with the dual hand method, which I, I feel like should be better, is there's this moment when you're switching between your hands, switching between weapons, where it doesn't register immediately. And more importantly, the thing that really ruins it Move is camera. Your, your camera moves when you swap hands. So you pull your right hand away, which you've been using to lock on, and the camera pans down and right with your right hand and you're looking <laughs> down and then you bring your left hand up and all of a sudden you're it's slightly pointing, disoriented it's it moves up and left yeah and then you kind of kind of finally get yourself recentered but if you're trying you know the whole point of it's these games is, is, is a score attack mm-hmm. um so sometimes you have to switch weapons really frequently right so i ended up using the clap just to make it slightly easier for myself um the other thing is that the game is awfully hard with connect or at least much harder than it is with the controller really? I found. I found. I didn't find that. I found that. I mean, first of all, they balance the game completely differently between Connect and the controller. I didn't notice that. I. Oh yeah. I mean, the the way to know, to know it immediately is whenever you don't kill anything fast enough and it fires those purple things at you. Uh-huh. They take about six times as long to reach you using Connect as they do when you're using the controller. Huh. That's um, interesting. But it is, it's actually, everyone in the office has experienced the opposite, which is that it's much easier with Connect. Hmm. Yeah, that's Um, totally, uh, to me, the area where it gets rough, I think it's in Archive 3, maybe 4. I thought it was toward the end of 4 is when that game becomes a real bitch. There's a part (laughs) that's sort of like... um, where there's the like area a two boss battle boss in Res. Uh, in Res, there's a, a part where it starts shield showing wall. these shield walls at you, yeah. and you have to lock on to buttons on the shield walls as they're spinning. Yeah, yeah. And it's in, Act Four that does that. Right. That, so ar- it's Archive Four. Archive Four has the same sort of thing from the second stage mm-hmm. of Res, and you know because there's that slight moment of delay as you're trying to lock on, and because these things come at you just fast enough. It can be really hard to lock on. You can end up hmm. getting destroyed pretty fast when you're using Connect. In my opinion, yeah. The um, crazy thing was is like when they they have those in Stage One too, in Archive One as mm-hmm. well. Like there's some doors that you have to open by hitting the by hitting the little buttons on the doors. Right. And that was the crazy thing to me is because in 
in Archive 1, they are coming at you really fast. Yeah. And it's like the rest of Archive 1 is pretty easy, but right there, I got damaged like three times in a row playing playing Connect. The other thing is that uh, you have to... We, we already mentioned that you have to grind a little bit because you won't have collected right. enough points to just go one stage yeah, after the other if you win, which that, is really annoying. That's mm-hmm. really my biggest bummer about Child of Eden. Well, and that's it's, the it's, least it's, friendly thing about it. Yeah, it feels like it, it's, it was just there to artificially extend the gameplay time. And not only that, but you have to... Your, your save files attached to which control scheme you're using, sort of. Um, so you have right. to, if you've made it to Archive 3, for example, and died at the end, and you're like, ah, screw it, I want to switch controller, switch the controller. If you switch the controller, you have to start at Archive 1 and, and begin again. And just to throw this out there, there was no way to know that until we got retail codes code for the game. Right. Because the preview and quote review code that we were sent, you could just pick any act at any time. Ah. Wow. So... After I had died, wherever it was, the first time we were playing through with Connect, and you know, to be honest, you get a little tired when you mm-hmm. know when you're playing as well. Yeah, waving mm-hmm. your arms around like an asshole is tiring. Yeah, it is. <laughs> um, and and I, I was, you know, uh, you fire by like sort of pushing your hand forward, yeah. you like thrust it forward, and the joint between my <laughs> at my elbow, like I, I felt like I was pulling a nerve after a while because I was really getting into it and jerking my arm really hard. <laughs> my arm started to hurt a little bit. But uh, anyway, I switched to controller. It's the connect thing. Like you don't use connect for a while and then all of a sudden you use connect for like a couple of hours and you're like, fuck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that and when you have some sort of resistance, you know how much force to put out. Mm-hmm. When you have none, it's I do the same thing where I'm just like being an asshole and I'm like, ah, yeah. like really thrusting. <laughs> but we did, we did, we switched back to controller. We ended up, Tearing through the all 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 five stages, unlocking the sixth archive, which is more like a a score attack thing. Mm-hmm. But the great thing is, when you finish the game, it unlocks the mode where you can just play freely, like a god mode where you can't lose. Mm-hmm. So I ended up coming back to the game. You know, we beat it the first day, and I played it probably the next four days straight. Um, you know, a stage or two at a time, all in connect, all with the you know god mode turned on. And I find that to be highly enjoyable. So, hmm. you know, I really, because I, I, I just have fun, you know, turning up the music, putting my connect on, shooting stuff, and not really worrying about whether or not I'm getting hit. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I had, I had a great I had a great time with it, and I wasn't expecting to. And, and I, unlike some people, I'm super into 3D. I got to spend uh, a full day, like probably nine hours at a buddy's house who has a 3D TV with the active shutter glasses and all that and played... Um, Wipeout and Motorstorm and even the Prince of Persia Sands of Time remake. And, you know, we just played t- whatever we could find on PlayStation that was I didn't 3D. think those Prince of Persia Sands of Time remakes, like the 3D wasn't all that interesting. I actually, uh, I mean, I, I think 3D is interesting because it actually works well in older games. Like, the t- you know, it doesn't matter if the textures are muddy and stuff. Yeah, when I just all didn't think in the Sands pop. of Time it really did all that much. To, to me, there's to those it. rooms where there where there'll be like you know five or six columns, and you're sort of jumping between columns to make your way up, and just that extra element of the three the third dimension makes it really easy to know like oh this column is right here in front of me. It's just slightly more accurate in terms of choosing which direction to jump off of when you have that third dimension. But you know whatever, Sands of Time was not the coolest game I played. I mean, Wipeout obviously looks amazing to me as the Wipeout guy, and Motorstorm Apocalypse, um, which is a game. Aesthetically, I'm not super into the 3D ness of it. Is really, Motor really, games truly in general. Always isn't that the one that they've been showing over and over again? That's always had really mm-hmm. impressive 3D. Yeah. yeah, anything in three in 3D. There's weird stuff. Like anytime 
there's something that's a bright light, a, a, like a really, like if you see the sun or in MotorStorm a lot, there's a, there's sparks that come off of things. And anytime there's a bright light, there's something about it being in 3D and your eyes perceiving that that way. It like shimmers in a way and it makes it look real. Like it hurts to look at the sun in a game that has three that has stereoscopic 3D where if you just turn that 3D off and stare you know it's, it doesn't do anything mm-hmm. it's very strange and it's hard it's hard to understand i i have no idea why that is but um the fact that child of eden is probably going to be 3D when it comes out on PlayStation 3 and has them. i'm a little scared of what that's going to do to people <laughs> it's going to make people real happy <laughs> I, I think it's actually going to make people throw up <laughs> maybe that too like that game is enough of a visual like I played it at work in our demo room, which has a projector that goes about 80 or 90 inches. That's nice. surround awesome. sound really loud. That's great. And I don't, it like fucked my brain out of my head. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, that swimming effect you get if you're, if you're staring at rock band or guitar hero for too mm-hmm. long, Oh yeah, yeah. multiply that by like a hundred and in every direction so and, wait, in uh, every direction. And when it comes out for PlayStation three, is it going to use like two move controllers or what? I don't know. Honestly, hmm. That's interesting. I hadn't thought about that. It would be sweet with two moves. Actually. Yeah, it would be good It'd with be two really moves. Really, cool. probably it probably has a couple controls. It would be skills. awesome if there were yeah multiple options. I, I mean, I, I honestly doubt it. They'll probably just do one move and then you like use the thing to switch between weapons. Yeah, yeah, probably. Because <laughs> what's the point of having the two different control methods if like it would be can't. sick if they put two crosshairs on the screen? Like clapping is like a physical motion that they want people to do. You uh-huh. know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't. I don't know what that game is going to do in 3D. Yeah. It's going to make people go nuts. So the other game that I've been playing. Oh, I, I had we'll one more thing to say. Brain. Hold on. Let me think. Child of Eden. Synesthesia. It's I really, pretty. I liked it. I, I, I really enjoyed it. It was a nice thing to play. Um, you know, it sucked me out of my, I'm just not into games right now mood. It was the one <laughs> thing that just brought me right back. Um, and uh, especially because I was so worried that it wasn't going to turn out to be great. Yeah. I'm really glad that they pulled it off. Uh, yeah. I, I really like that game. Uh, the I other like you, the thing I was worried about the most, I think, was the music. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And the, so, yeah, that's the thing is the music turns out to be relatively pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. That I was afraid we were just going to hear Heavenly Star for like forty minutes. <laughs> I don't <laughs> yeah. think I've ever gotten to a game ending that felt quite as cathartic huh, yeah. as Child of Eden's did. Yeah. Um, just from an emotional and sort of like experiential perspective, like because it's just like building and building and building to this sort of very surreal and over the top kind of joy thing. And if you're playing with connect, you know, your whole body's in it, you know, you start to get tired and when you're, you know, it's sort of like the end of res where the final boss, you kind of get to the point where there's just like a core. This is what all the bosses is kind of this way. The final, the final bit is you just locking onto like the core and then blasting off shots one after the other. So it'll be like, and when you're playing it with connect yeah. you know you're, you're really getting into it you for feel like a superhero yeah sort of you know? green lantern yeah, well i feel like uh space baby <laughs> maybe okay before i go into my I next game done without the uh the credit tree I was yeah about the yeah. Credit tree. yeah all right before you go into the next game before i go into my next game I once had a really good idea for a Res sequel before there was before Child of Eden was announced. Yeah, before there was a Res sequel, 
And I must have been playing Patapon at the time because it was highly inspired by Patapon. But imagine if, you know, uh, what's so what's the story of Res? The story of Res is that the computer has a virus and you're going in to clear out the virus. Mm-hmm. So in Res 2, the Ryan O'Donnell version, uh, <laughs> you are the virus trying to reinfect the computer. And imagine on screen sort of seeing something that looks a bit like res but instead of you being um a little avatar moving through space you're a cloud of nano whatever little bits flying all around and the the core action of the game instead of being a lock-on panzer dragoon res sort of experience is you playing along to the music in a sort of pat upon way that makes it more like a rhythm game where the the nano machines like form clouds and go attack the beautiful elements in the environment to turn it back into like trony resiness instead of uh instead of you know the the beauty that you brought to the game the first time through anyway i think that would be badass that would be a badass game mizuguchi would never make it but yeah. that would be a badass game and it would just have made a, a game that still felt like it was within the universe of res but not be the exact same gameplay mechanics. I wonder, like, if he'll get to make many more games after this, because Child of Eden is not selling well from every indication. I don't Hmm. think I don't think they ever thought that it was going to be like some hit. I don't know. It's published by Ubisoft. Yeah. Granted, they're also publishing the cartel, so there are worse games to distract from. (laughs) Child of Eden is going to be, but I just you know with Res was more you know Res didn't sell at all. I mean, it could certainly be his last retail game. I was af- I was afraid. I went to the store on the day Child of Eden came out, and I hadn't pre-ordered, I don't believe, and I went up to the front and said, hey, do you have a copy of Child of Eden? It was probably only 11.30 a.m. You know, the store hadn't been open that wow. long. And the guy was like, yeah, there's one more copy, and he had to go pull it off the, sh- you know, pull the gut off the shelf. And he's like, yeah, we only got two copies in. And I was like, you know, that's funny. When Rez came out on in the United States on PS2, I was working at an EB at the time and we only got two copies in and I bought the one copy and I put the second one aside for my buddy <laughs> and no one got to buy res. We never put a copy on the shelf and we, and we never, Jerks. we never got more copies of that game in not once. It was only those two copies. That was all we got. And I remember calling my friend who lived about an hour away and telling him, yeah, we only got two copies of resin, and I don't think we're getting any more. So if you want to go get it, you probably got to go get it right now. And he did, and it was the same experience for him. <laughs> so I really hope that Child of Eden gets stocked a little bit more than res at stores. But uh, it's not – I mean, how do you expect a game to sell when stores get two copies in? I mean, mm-hmm. if it's not even – if it doesn't even go on the shelf, what's what's the point? A new yeah. copy of res for PS2 goes for $60 on eBay. The Transfibrator cool. by itself goes for 48 Wow. Those sell for like 400 yen at stores in Japan. <laughs> it's like $4. Uh, maybe not anymore, but we used to see, you know, they have like these uh, bins of clearance materials at the front of some of the stores in Akihabara. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, we saw massive amounts of trans vibrators there in the years that we went to. <laughs> A when, lot of when the ones that people are selling on eBay are import versions of PS2, res, and the trans vibrator. Right. Oh, that makes sure. sense. Because like I was going to say, bucks. the trans vibrator didn't get released It, it, it didn't get released States. here. It was only a Japanese. Yeah. Um, so the other game that I've been playing is, and man, have I been... This is the one game. Like, I really like Child of Eden, don't get me wrong. But it, after that, I was like, yeah, you know, I'm back to not caring about games again. <laughs> but uh, I've been playing the Ocarina of Time remake for 3DS. And I'm sort of 
having like a honeymoon with that game. And I think part of the reason is because in retrospect, when I, when I think back on Ocarina of Time or when I had prior to this uh, playthrough, I think of that game as good, but not great. Um, I always have liked the 2d Zeldas a lot better than the 3d um, mm-hmm. Zeldas. I think Aonuma is ruining the series. Um, he doesn't know. And you can send emails to letters at eat com, <laughs> And I'll explain why. Is he now. the guy that makes all the 3D ones? Yeah, he's made everything since then. And yeah. I don't get me wrong. Wind Waker, I think, is a absolute classic. So I'm, I'm it, saying it this. out for me at, uh, at Link to the Past, honestly. Yes. I never got to play the Game Boy Advance one, though. I always heard that the, one was great. Uh, well, the there, Minish there Cap. Minish Cap. There's also the Ages. Uh, or, oh, well, those are Game Boy Color, but Oracle of Ages and Seasons, and then the Game Boy uh, version of Link's Awakening. And, you know, I love all of those games. Mm. Um, I think they're fantastic. And I think there's just something magical. I, I'm sure I've explained this on. Some, you and every before. other gushing Nintendite on some <laughs> fan board. I can put it very simply. The thing I like about the 2D Zelda games is that the overworld is extremely complex. and but uh, totally navigable. Navigable, but filled with mystery. You know, you'll see something. You'll be wandering on some screen, and there'll be something that stands out in a weird way, but not super obvious. It's like, you know... You'll see a tree that's slightly miscolored, or uh, there'll be a bunch of bushes, but you know four of them are in the shape of a cross or something like that. And it just there's something that in the level design that lets you know if you're paying attention. There's something interesting going on here, maybe, but not all the time. But Link maybe. to the Past used music a lot too to tell you and patterns like he's saying. You should I... be paying attention. Yeah, and then once you locate this mysterious thing. And it unlocks usually some sort of cave entrance that takes you down um, into into some other part of the world. Dungeon. Or, yeah. Or just or, a random cave. Or a random like a cave. person in it. Or, well, the caves are always piece. different. Yeah. It's not cut and paste. It's not templated. And in the 3D Zelda games, I think almost across the board, they did an okay. There's like one or two caves that are a little bit different in Twilight Princess on the overworld. But basically, the caves are just the same thing and it's really really boring to me yeah and the overworld in those games just feel really sparse i i enjoy navigating the oceans in wind waker but that game's missing a couple dungeons and all the the islands that you can explore all feel like they don't have anything substantial on them and it's very clear that none of them are as deep or as interesting as the ones that you have to go to they're like Mm -hmm. two or three islands that are towns that are interesting plus the dungeon islands and then everything past that is like really small and sort of boring and straightforward and the 2d zeldas you really feel like you get rewarded for just Exploring. exploring and just playing around with the environment as much as you can right and uh twilight princess overworld really bugs me because the you you wander onto a screen and you'll see something it'll that'll catch your eye you're like oh there's something wacky over there but then by the time you're you you're far enough in the game you realize oh that's just a hook shot latch you know mm-hmm. i just need to come back here when i've got the hook shot and that's that's the answer to the puzzle Whereas in the old games, you actually felt like you were exploring and finding something. It felt like you were, you know, actually using your brain. Well, especially in like A Link to the Past, once you got the ability to like move through the, the two different worlds, mm-hmm. you'd start going around and just being like, I'm going to change to the other world right here because I want to see what happens. Yeah, you know? exactly. Because you're like, maybe something will happen here. Right. So 
Ocarina of Time 3D. So I think about this game in retrospect as not being that great because I always like the 2D games a lot more. But I am having a pretty darn good time with it. I really, really like the 3D. Um, it sucks that you you know the 3DS is a is a t- the industrial design of that machine it's is god awful. awful. I, I hate you, it. I thought you liked the the physical, right? Didn't you think it looked? I good? thought the uh, like the footprint and actually like just the silhouette it cuts is fine. I actually think that the dev kits look nicer than yes, anything they they've released. I have not seen it. They're like a graphite with a black sort of underfinish, mm. and they look really cool. Mm. Uh, the buttons and the D-pad and the everything on the 3DS sucks, and the power buttons where the fucking start button should be. And the you know when you have it open, the hinge like squeaks a little bit, yeah. and you know it's got that glittery finish that's gross, and mm. the buttons are too small. The D-pad's sort of lame. The circle pad is. Pretty good, I guess, but uh, no. But basically, aesthetically, the hardware of that machine is just terrible. You know, I love the 3D, but you really have to nail that viewing angle just right. Um, when I'm playing Ocarina of Time, though, I forget about all that. I just get totally sucked into the into the world, and I really was not expect. Every time I saw a screenshot of this game, I thought it looked exactly like the old game i mean i sort of i would look at comparisons and realize like oh yeah you know it is they they upgraded the texture on this thing but i really didn't appreciate how how much of a uh, of an improvement graphically it was until i saw the game in 3d the link model especially is like far better than it was in the n64 version i mean when you get the it probably is the same in that game but um when you get like the goron bracelet you know, it goes on your character. You see it there. It's sitting there physically. Link's face actually looks like Link's face rather than what it looks like in the N64 version. You just can't go back and play N64 games. They yeah, look so I muddy know. and In disgusting. my mind, I always imagine N64 games looking like way higher res than they do. I forget how muddled and blurry everything was. Yeah, they, this they, game... They look like, you know, YouTube videos back when they first came out. Right. This game looks like what your memory of the game is like. It's yeah. like what it, sh- what it looks like in your brain. And then all of a sudden it's in 3D. So if you're the type of person that appreciates it, and I know there are plenty of people that don't care about that, it is magical. It really is fantastic. Jumping off um, anything of any height, like just standing on a house in the Kokiri Forest at the very beginning of the game and leaping down 10 feet onto the ground gives you a little bit of a sense of a thrill of jumping off of something all of a sudden because it's now in 3D. Um, It's you know, I know a lot of people like to slide that slider around, the 3D slider, to find the just the you know the right point where the game feels right to them. To me, this game feels right with the slider all the way up. I, I want all the depth that I can see. And when you finally get to some of the dungeons where you're standing really high up and looking down, it's just incredible. And they added uh, a bunch of cam- fun camera stuff, like the uh, you know there's a button on the on the touchscreen where you can go into first person and look around, and you can use the um, whatever the gyroscopes to to look, which is really cool. Except when you're playing in 3D, like I was saying, you've got this really narrow window of where the 3D you need works. To move your head with it, and you got to move your head with it. So it doesn't work really well to do that all the time if you're playing in 3D. But the analog or the whatever the circle pad 
works also. So what I end up doing is like doing the vast majority of my movement with the circle pad when I'm looking around in first person or whatever. And then once I found what I'm actually looking at, then I'll take over with the gyroscopes. And then it's all all of a sudden like a little bit of handheld camera shake on uh, uh, that I'm controlling. Do you think about just turning off the 3D when you wanted to use the gyroscopes and then turning it back on? I do occasionally, but part of the reason I'm going to 3D in the first place is to look at the world in 3D usually. So... Um, How often do you need to use the gyroscopes? You don't need to use them at all. You can totally do it without it. How I often just do you like feel it. compelled to use the gyroscopes. All that every time oh. I go into first person. <laughs> right, well. and then the other thing is that you can hold down the L trigger, uh, which uh, basically allows you to then use the gyroscopes to control the camera while you're still in motion. So it doesn't zoom into first person. Link's still third person, standing in the center of the screen. But you can let's say you're running through the the Hyrule field you can just be running along going to your next destination and then hold down L and you know move your hands a little bit and then glance over this direction and move your hands over here and glance this direction just those little extra camera tweaks really make makes it easy to get immersed in the world I mean it really feels 3D in a way that the old games didn't and it is because it's stereoscopic as well and that's really really cool Beyond all the dumb graphical things, the game holds up better than I thought it was. I mean, that Hyrule field is still really sparse, but they have cleaned up a lot of the areas of the game, like the shops, any indoor environments that are like single screen, sort of isometric, isometric perspective look way better. They, they added a ton of new art to all of that stuff to make it look really nice. Um, there are funny things that make the game feel old, like when you quit, if you save and quit, for a vast majority of the beginning of the game, you end up starting back at Link's house every time. So if you're in the middle of, you know, some town, Goron City or something like that, way far off in the map, and you have to stop, when you turn the game back on, you started way back at the beginning of the game, and you have to run all the way back there. So there are little things that are kind of annoying, but overall, I've just been having a little love affair with Zelda, and I'm remembering how much fun that was, and, and there are parts of it that really make it feel like the game was designed to be played in stereoscopic 3d when it was first made like at some point you climb up the top of death mountain and there's an owl that's a character in the game and he tells you hey if you want to go back down to the to go or to kakariko village i'll take you i can just fly you back down there and it goes into a first person flight scene that takes you back down to the game it's totally in the original n64 version but now all of a sudden you're flying back in 3d and he's winding through caves and going by waterfalls and it's like whoa this is really really amazing now <laughs> you know it's weird i i always when i heard that they were doing ocarina of time in 3d i had no interest not at all i was like why aren't you doing wind waker that would be a way cooler game to do in 3d now that i've played it i really really enjoy it i think it's easily one of the best games on 3ds even though it's it sounds dumb like sort of like winning the special olympics yeah (laughs) greatest game voted greatest game of all time is good (laughs) big surprise (laughs) it's it's really good it's good that you came out because if you hadn't come out we probably would have never have talked about ocarina yeah it's really anything on the 3ds because i don't own a 3ds do you matt no yeah nobody else owns a 3ds i'm not likely to get one I really felt like it was people. a mistake to buy that system. I gotta yeah, say, yeah. For me, for me, what it came down to at the time was I could either spend two hundred fifty bucks on a three DS, more like three hundred with a game, mm-hmm. or I could put that money towards the most cheapest iPad I wanted to get. There which is go. what I did instead. I'd much rather have an iPad. Right. But if you're a guy who or guy or girl who has a three DS, 
Get the I would say get the ocarina of time. It's why wouldn't you? I mean, what, what else, else are you, you doing with it? Yeah, <laughs> no, but it's it is it is remarkable. They're gonna good. take 3D movie trailers off of it in July, I guess. Really? Oh, yeah. can you play TF2 on it? <laughs> no. If you can't, don't care. <laughs> That's all I got. How about we take that a kid break? That kid is really upset at you, Ryan. I know. Get your games, Arthur. No. We'll take a break. Come He's like, Jimmy Zelda suck. What? Uh, the kid outside that was screaming. We can put him in a meat grinder. Um, <laughs> I feel like I need a break before I can uh, can talk about my stuff. All right, well, we're going to go from your stuff straight into letters. That's then. totally fine. Okay. All right. Cool. I'll see you in a minute. You were gonna want me to key you off. I thought you were just gonna start talking about your shiz. I mean, how do you open with Transformers: Dark of the Moon Stealth Force Edition? Oh no! <laughs> well, I think you should do what Matt and I did with the terrible games mm-hmm. and make it mercil- mercilessly short. What you have to say about that game is it's Transformers with no with transforming. No, well, yeah, with no, there's no transforming in Transformers: Dark of the Moon Stealth what Force Edition. The fuck! Wow. The Which point? is the 3DS and Wii version of Transformers. Uh, same a, game across both platforms. Not just like, oh, well, they play the same. I mean, they are the same game. Uh, <laughs> they both look like a not great 3DS game. You talked a little bit about these last week. I yeah. Um, yeah. It's just... Uh, Sounds terrible. I hadn't really played very much. Um, but So when you quote Transform, you're just going Stealth Force. And the way you control your car with Stealth Force... Did I explain this last time? No. Huh? You move... You when you when When you're just a car... You drive oh, you by. Oh, you did actually. Okay, yeah, yeah. so it's an abomination. Uh, <laughs> I gave it a two point five. Nice. My I've only original, ever done that to one game. My original strapline for the game that my manager vetoed was "Abortion meets the eye." Abortion <laughs> <laughs> uh, meets the eye. Um, oh, now I get it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it takes a second, but then it stays with you. <laughs> Uh, I also reviewed the PS3 version of Sniper Ghost Warrior. Was that I've also never heard of that? See, Arthur and I have just been stacking on the shit lately. Well, so yeah. the reason that I reviewed this is because I reviewed Sniper Ghost Warrior last July, uh, the very beginning of July, so it, almost exactly a year later. So they took a year and they made the PS3 version the, the de- definitive version. Quote, this is what it said in all their marketing material. And apparently by definitive, they meant drop the resolution down by half, make everything blurry, kill the frame rate. And instead of fixing the levels that were especially bad, they just cut them out. And replace them with? <laughs> and replace them with cutscenes, like covering yeah. what happened in those sections. Wow. wow. Um, How do you get money to do something like that? I, I mean, wonder. And I guess where can I get it? The, the, the Sniper Ghost Warrior between PC and 360 sold a, um, shipped a million units. Really? Yeah. Wow. Internationally. Like... Because people are dumb and PC gamers are desperate, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. um, 
I forgot how low I scored that game because for some reason I kept thinking, oh, six, right? I gave that game a six. I thought you gave it a six too. It's an okay out of 10, but no, I rated that game a 5.5 on PC and a five on 360. Mm -hmm. And it is a 4.5 on PS3. Wow. It's probably a little lower than 4.5, but apparently my text read like a 4.5. That has got to suck when uh, you work on a game for a year and it's worse than the last yeah. version you put out. You'd think that in the year they could like make something fix. better. Fix the things. biggest problem yeah. with Sniper Ghost Warrior last year was that for a game called Sniper <laughs> with these gigantic environments, it mm-hmm. was super linear. Wow! Like you couldn't go outside of these very poorly marked paths mm-hmm. in the center of the level, basically. Hmm. And the AI was were fucking terminators with how aware they were of everything in the world Um, (laughs) which sort of defeats the purpose of a stealth stealth sniper game so i mean it it counteracted a kind of cool sniping mechanic which is that when you zoom in uh your bullet is vulnerable to wind and gravity Mm -hmm. but there's like this tiny red dot that will show you where your bullet will fall Mm. um and you can slow time makes it playable yeah as opposed Mm -hmm. to can't you turn that off and make it like super super hardcore yes you most certainly can uh, and you can slow down time by clicking in the stick. Mm-hmm. Uh, Just like in real life. So it's like sniper superpowers. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and that's interesting. Those. Nothing else in that game is interesting. Um, <laughs> it runs like shit. Even on PC, there's no way to stop the tearing. I'd argue the title screen. is interesting. Um, like on the like the PC version will tear in the middle. The PS3 version tears in like three or four places uh-huh. on the screen at once. Is it those tears that are vertical and horizontal? Because those are the worst. No, it's not like a Tetris is going down the screen. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's just like somebody like ran Wolverine's claws across the screen horizontally. I wow. gotcha. Um, so it's just not, it's not good. It's not, it's not good. It's Usually that's supposed to be an effect, I think. You know? Like, no. No? Yeah, no. I spent a lot of time trying to recreate snipers, that Snipers effect. have a lot of that happen to them after they stare through a scope yeah, for hours right. on end. That, uh... <laughs> The reason that happens is because the the engine can't finish rendering a frame before it's time for the next. Nerd alert! <laughs> when you it's hear, true, you might hear programmers or developers talking about how long something takes to do in an engine. Like anti-aliasing might take like four point six milliseconds. They have a millisecond budget. Is this their own mm-hmm. engine? Yes. No. It's the Techland. It's it's the dude who did a. Call Juarez. Call Juarez. It's Call which Juarez. They, they are making Dead Island as well, which says to me something about how they're splitting their time. Yeah. Well, no, they did, Okay, so the Call of Juarez guys did not make Sniper. No, I'm, t- I'm just talking about Call of Juarez and Dead Island. Right. I was right about that earlier. Um, so yeah. for the next Sniper Ghost Warrior game, they licensed CryEngine 3. Um, wow. So it's probably going to look great and play like crap because mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like they have anybody there that knows how to design a level around the conceits of their game, which is too bad. Because it'd be cool to play a game like that where you really had to be smart and it was like an open world thing where you could take your shot, etc. Et I want to play it co-op where all I get to do is lie in the grass next to you and tell you wind speeds and shit like that. Well, unfortunately, Nolan North <laughs> took that job. <laughs> what, is, For this is, game, too? Yes, Nolan North is in that <laughs> game. But you, you do <laughs> run North with a co-op partner. But you no, can't you don't run with a co-op. Co- I mean, you run an with AI a partner, partner. Uh, sometimes. And well, he's like, I wanna be we'll do this. Because just, just do it. <laughs> Just, just do, do it. it. Just do it because I'm Nolan North just and I do it. Do. do it. Um, so yeah, uh, that game is not good. Uh, I downloaded the DirectX 11 update to Crisis 2, 
which is kicking the shit out of my computer at work. And his computer at work is better than your computer, probably. Wow. Probably. Uh, at first, it was kicking the shit out of my Core i7 system running at 3.2 gigahertz with one ATI 6970 in it. Which is the best graphics card. Which is the best single GPU graphics card on the market. Um, And so I thought, you know, let's just put another one of those in there. So (laughs) I went into our storage area and pulled out our other 6970 and Uh stuck it in. Uh, As a side note, in a normal SLI motherboard, two 6970s right on top of each other. Oh, I'm sure. Hot. Yeah. Literally, I mean. Like yeah. that. They're making out. They're <laughs> right. doing it. They're keeping each other nice and cool. Um, <laughs> and everyone in the office was so terrified of this that I actually had our tech editor, Scott Lowe, email AMD and ask them if this problem. was okay. Yeah. And they said it is. They said it's fine. Wow. They're designed for it. They sound. It doesn't change the fact that when. Jet uh, engine. When Crisis 2 or any game is running really hot, really hot and heavy, first of all, my computer sounds like a vacuum cleaner. And second of all, it smells like someone lit a vacuum cleaner on fire. <laughs> I hate the smell of like electricity burning. burning. Yes. Ozone. Yeah. It's like lightning is about to strike my balls. Yeah. <laughs> um, the answer is probably that you're supposed to spray some soft syrup up in between the two cards, you know, oh, and uh, make lube. yourself a GPU sandwich. Some lube. <laughs> yeah. um, so even with two 6970s, Crisis 2 is kicking the crap out of my computer but did you update the drivers i did update the did drivers you, Arthur, it's, it's future proof okay it's not, totally future proof only did i update the drivers i completely uninstalled the drivers i deleted the devices from device manager i used a program called driver sweeper to eliminate every remnant mm-hmm. of video card driver on my system and then i reinstalled them you so wouldn't have this problem if he was running an nvidia card that's what i was going to say because i thought not for this game was or running to have such a great engine OSS. when it says meant for windows. nvidia what it really means is we really didn't really test this with an ATK card it could work <laughs> right. we don't know uh which is funny because in direct x9 which is what it re- really said originally it ran phenomenally well mm. on ati hardware it ran well on everything honestly but the but, but direct x11 or 11 i mean yeah. is doing what pc gamers were huffy about crisis 2 not doing when it came out which is bringing everything to its knees mm-hmm. so it's going to make them super happy now <laughs> they seriously like reading message boards they're like oh my god this is the best thing ever like i'm only getting 30 frames per second at 1080p it's amazing i'm like what the fuck is wrong with you <laughs> i mean it does so when it's working because uh, yeah. also crisis 2 has still got crash bugs on ati hardware because mm. uh, i have ati cards in my desktop at work and in my desktop at home and whenever i try to mod a weapon it locks up <laughs> Not that that's an important thing to do in Crisis or anything. <laughs> you know, putting silencers on or PC switching rates. between sites or whatever. That's not important. But, you know, in the event that I'd uh, want to do that, it will lock up on me. Uh, so no doing that. <clears throat> um, it's so easy to have a love-hate relationship with the PC. Like, you just you keep PC coming gaming. back for more. The past five minutes reminds me why I quit. Yeah, I have a ridiculous Frankenstein's monster beast of a computer at work. And I, it, it's making me hate PC gaming more. Mm-hmm. Even, even though I like opening my tower at work because it's like entering the bat cave. <laughs> Those alien wares are particularly, particular mess to open up oh, and work around. And they have yeah. these big old liquid cooling things, but they're oh, not, really? but that's only on the processor. Like to open the, my, my, well, they're a pain in the ass to just figure out how to open the fucking okay. case. Too. Yeah. 
so I mean I, I think we talked about this months ago, but the way that you open the new Alienwares, the ones mm-hmm. with the fins that open by themselves that don't actually do anything, <laughs> right? Uh, is to go to the last fin and lift it up. It's like you're moving a bust in the library in Bruce wow. Wayne's house. Yeah, you only wow. kind of you, you do you do kind of stumble upon it out of frustration. You're like, it's oh, how, I'm just going to yank on everything, and all of a sudden it opens. And this is like, how oh. Batman gets into his computer. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> huh. uh, so does, you lift up the last hydraulics fin. or something. You lift up the last fin and you hear a click. And the side panel kind of comes down, and you lift it off, and the inside lights up. Huh? Alien. Does it go? I, it should. It should really steam. Smoke yeah. and steam come out. <laughs> no, that would be the special model, like cooled by liquid nitrogen. Gotcha. Um, and alien wear. Alien wears are like old school Jaguars to me. You know, like they look really. Well, I don't even think they look pretty, but I mean, the idea is that they're supposed to look pretty on the outside, and then on the inside, they have all kinds of like weird electrical and hardware problems. And yeah, I mean, it, it crashes. It yeah. crashes all the time. Yeah, Alien and not just like were, programs. Like it. Didn't hard Alienware freezes. used to be good though? Didn't they used to be before good they were machines? bought by Dell? Yeah. When they were oh, independent. Good point. When they were yeah. assembled by parts. The independent from PCs that Dell. I hear people generally like now are those ones made. I buy power. Yeah. Mm. Those are the ones. I still like the next time I upgrade my PC, I'm just going to put it together myself. I mean, I just yep. I've never found a better way to to have a good PC that's stable. And it's like I think one of the things about having you know a, a super high end cutting edge PC like the one you have at work, Arthur, is that being on the cutting edge means that if you are not getting the better performance than you could possibly imagine, then there's something amiss. Whereas, like, my computer, which is a little bit older, if something doesn't work quite right, I'm just like, eh, it's older. Yeah. Like, uh, honestly, my computer at home is better in all, in every respect except for video cards than my mm-hmm. computer at work. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's not really anything I can do about that because I can't just take them home. Right. <laughs> I've asked. <Fuck. laughs> um it's the problem is because you asked. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I think they'll notice if the $400 video cards are missing. I'm pretty sure they didn't Just pay take for one them. of them and then just say, like, well, I don't know why it's running so badly. It's an Alienware. Yeah, just put your video card in there. Yeah. You're like, yeah, I don't know. Weird. Actually, one of my video cards is in a computer at work because oh. I, we didn't have any DirectX 11 video cards at work. So wait, what are you running in your computer right now? Oh, I bought another one, remember? Oh. Anyways. <laughs> so Crisis 2 and DirectX 11, it looks incredible. I mean, it is there. there's no longer even any no argument surprises. that it's not the best-looking PC game. Just the stuff they're doing with lighting and tessellation is amazing. So like, each, each frame that you get every so often looks really nice. Well, I mean, I get like 30, mm. which is down from 75,000 or something yeah. like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever. Uh, 30 is fine. Yeah. But I mean, like the stuff it does, like the, the tessellation makes like all the bricks actually on walls look like bricks instead mm-hmm. of just a flat texture mm-hmm. and... Uh, you can actually see like models like in buildings become more complex as you come up to them organically and not just like pop in pop, pop, pop in yeah. new level of detail models because that's like the big thing with tessellation is it doesn't have to store like a Nintendo 64 version of a model and a Dreamcast version of a model and a PS2 version of a model and the Xbox 360 version of a model in memory. It just procedurally fills in the detail or lowers it yeah. in all of those models. Ow, my cat is stabbing me in the knee. Um, and there's other stuff that just adds more depth to a scene and the particles are fucking bananas. Wow. Um, explosions look really good, but if you, any, it'll, it'll look like your frame rate is fine. Like it's totally playable. 
and then some dudes in the distance will shoot at a wall and all this dust and stuff will fly off and your frame rate will just lay lower into the tens. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's always it, the particle effects that yeah. do it for any engine that's ever existed. So, uh... That's why you so, need yeah. a PhysX card. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know that PhysX actually works with Crisis. I was joking. I don't know. <laughs> just remembering that scam. Yeah, yeah it um, was a scam. Uh, so, yeah. So, yeah. that's Crisis 2. And that's really... I mean, I think I played... I didn't even play anything this weekend. I played some Trench last week. Trench is good. Trench is really good. Minus some Bush League omissions in general wonkiness, which we talked about last week. Yeah. It's so fun, though. Mm-hmm. Yes. It's just so fun. Um, Closest to a Mech Assault game I'm ever going to get. So Anytime soon. So the first letter is from Andrew Vance. And he wants to know... I'm pretty sure this is an easy question for you guys to answer. I was wondering whether you could recommend a good video podcast similar to the One Up Show or Co op. <laughs> uh, basically, yeah. that's what he's asking. He's like, I would very, I would even be interested in paying a yearly subscription fee for a co op show if you guys ever went back to that. Do you feel your heart just breaking a little bit hearing people I say do. that? I do. Yep. There is no video podcast like that out there. Nope. It was one of a kind. You can't, yeah. No one can pay to make a show like that. It takes too long. It, that is all. End yeah. of story. Yep, it's too expensive to make it's a show expensive. like that. The production value is too high for a weekly thing that takes many people to make when you can't... I mean, it's hard to make money doing any gaming editorial right now, even if all you're doing is pumping out pages. So, mm-hmm. I mean, doing something that has high production values is, is uh, maybe not the way to go. You need, a, you need at least four people to do the one-up show, and that's an insane amount of work the one re- or the, and that's just the production side that's not talking about the people that you actually need in addition to that to play games convince and to be on camera to talk about them you know I, I keep feeling like at some point there'll be someone will figure out the business model for a, online television stations that actually function properly that mm-hmm. can afford content that's not just people sitting on a couch and talking yeah maybe so maybe that'll happen if it does you know we'll probably go we'll probably be there we'll come back and we'll make something but uh, until that point, you know, there's just no, there's not really there's not there's not really a space for it. The one up show was like this magical moment in time where we were hired as full time employees, editorial staff and everyone else on staff. It was their job to play along with us. And <laughs> we had carte blanche from the bosses to do that show. And uh, probably it, I just can't imagine it happening again for quite a while. Nope. And nope. probably not in the video game space, but I mean, that's the, this, the thing is outside of like, um, those who made it like, you know, the college humor guys, there are a few other places where you get that same sort of, you know, people are actually editing on editing software and making, making these stories. But even then no one's doing 40 minute, 40 minute episodes every week of, you know, something that has that sort of production value. And I'm not even saying we were all that great. We were always rushing to Most make. Most people just aren't as ambitious. That much time. Or yeah. stupid. We were stupid. <laughs> yeah, keep in exactly. mind. Keep in mind also because I was thinking about it today when I was talking to Matt about it that like there are at least one of us and possibly two or three of us that worked all nighters every week. Like, That's so what I'm saying. Week, yes. We did. We did one forty-five hour work day <laughs> every week. We worked like sixty-five hours a week or at least to make that show. Um, yeah, it was cool. It killed me. <laughs> like yep. killed my body. Yep. <laughs> I made me very fat. <laughs> and, Which is uh, going away now. Ryan yeah. O'Donnell has lost a metric fuck ton of weight. Yes, I have. I'm like a lot smaller now. Um, because I like, have to make that stupid show. <laughs> several several babies worth of weight. Yeah, I threw those away. 
Um, I hate babies. Where they belong. Yep. So Chris writes in, and he says, in regards to the PlayStation Vita, information I've seen is that games are going to be on a SD card-like piece of media. Proprietary, but yeah. He yeah. says, I've also heard that the SD cards are going to have to be taken to some type of kiosk in order to load a game on it. I, heard I do not believe that that, that is the case. Uh, but, I mean, they did that business model back in Japan a long time ago with the Famicom disk drive. Uh, that's how you got games on it. So, really? I had no idea. Or it was, it was, was it Super Famicom? Famicom? Anyway, yeah, they would have a kiosk back at the, uh, at the game shops, and you take a blank disc over, and you get them to copy over whatever new game you wanted, and you take it home and play it. I don't, and think, go back. That th- I don't think that's going to happen, because I still think that they're going to want people to have the impulse to see like a box on a shelf and want to buy it. And we have this thing called the Internet now. The what? The Internet. I it's on Japanese computers. company. I don't understand what you mean. Oh. I mean, they, they need retail like yeah, especially yeah, yeah. with the man i ugh, sony has got their work fucking cut out for them mm-hmm. because they have burned retail so much over the last four years with psp stuff mm-hmm. like and people have had to eat psps so they need to to be good retail good partners with retail okay so i'm gonna k- kick it back to a letter we uh talked about last time oh Uh-oh. geez Kickback. What was it? This is from Anonymous, who Again, wrote us last geez. week. Yep. And he says, uh, hey, guys, thanks for reading my letter out last week. In, in parentheses, he says, it's the six-month relationship slash wanting to propose guy. Oh, oh right. That guy. But he says, he says, I have to admit, nice work, Anthony, with the surprise there. Because I, didn't, I, did, I had <laughs> withheld really that they had only been dating for six months until the very end. That was good. Just so that, that they, really I would good. read their whole relationship letter. So, wait, so the setup was that... Uh, it was about him wanting to get married and whether or not he should do it, but you kept out the part about six months. Okay, yep. gotcha now. But he says, uh, he says, I guess I should explain. Me and my significant other have actually been friends, best friends, for the last four years. And I oh. did what Mr. Bromley would call fucking my way out of the friend zone. <laughs> so <laughs> so he, he's trying to say that, yes, they've, yeah, only, been, like they've only been boyfriend and girlfriend for six months, but they've known each other for years. Right. Um, okay. Well, and that's he says, completely different. Yeah, totally different. And he says, by the way, I'm also, I'm 29, because remember, we also were guessing about what he might be. Right, so yeah. not one of these high school kids who wouldn't know a girl's belly button from her pussy. <laughs> Very tastefully written, that one. From anonymous. Um, Was there a word you'd prefer in its place? I don't know. Vajarner. Oh, wait. (laughs) (laughs) He says, I simply didn't go huge with the info because you guys asked for letters. Um, I will thank... Oh, so you sent us a petty letter. I will thank you for the advice (laughs) and uh, and go for the engagement later this year, the best of both our worlds. So he says, yeah, he's just going to wait for a little bit. Take our advice. Wait for a little bit. But he just... He just wanted to give that clarification about his age and the prior knowledge of the girl. That's That's actually important information. Right. I agree. Everyone was withholding information with, from us on that letter. Yep. It was Anthony. It was anonymous. <laughs> exactly. Well, good luck, anonymous. Lord only knows what an... she hasn't told him. Exactly. I know. I just, if she's I, anonymous I, the fact too. that he keeps it anonymous and he gives out enough his details as he has, though. Yeah. I should just. I just want to read your fucking name. Yeah. <laughs> I love that I have that power. Right what if his now. name is anonymous Johnson? His no, his name's in hippies. his email. He's uh, one of those guys. Oh, I see. My name at Gmail. Oops. I got you. Yeah. So. Um, I wish your cat would stop. Stabbing me in Needing. The they both need to have their claws clipped. Okay. Yes, they do. This but is she's from, an ordeal. This is from Kevin. And hey, he Kevin. Says, what up, Kevo? If there is a new console generation coming up, I can think of three technologies to move forward. One is higher memory in the console, and he's talking about specifically disk space, like what? 500 what? gigs or one terabyte. 
to push downloadables, not just the arcade, indie, and DLC, but what iTunes did with music. Xbox and Sony can do games by downloading full games. Um, he says, two, an internet browser as well as a dashboard for apps like Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, etc. I mean, that's I think that's a given. That's I don't I don't think the next consoles will have an internet browser. I'm not saying a browser, but I'm saying a dashboard with things like Twitter access and stuff like that. I mean, Microsoft yeah, already has it already. Yeah. So. Um, Three is the push for 3D technology. I mean, Sony's going to do that. Yeah. It seems like they've no invested so much. Yeah. Yep. They have to. Yeah. I, Sony might. I don't think anybody else is going to. Yeah, I'm not so sure about anyone else, too. I'm pretty sure I'm that they've thrown their lot in. We mm-hmm. might be witnessing the uh, the beginning of the end for consumer 3D again. Just really? How, yeah, because 3D TVs are not selling, and 3D movies are consistently performing worse and worse at the box office. Well, that's because they keep... Put, that's because they keep doing the shitty 3D on shitty movies. It, it didn't matter before, and a lot of these are movies that were filmed in 3D. I don't know. I think these are just the growing pains of a new way to consume media. I mean, eventually it'll just happen. 3D is inevitable. I, again, I, I just strongly disagree. I, I, do, I, I don't think any. I, I mean, I don't know anyone who's experiencing this stuff in 3D, basically, or cares to do so. Yeah. I think if you're a gamer... And your buddy has one of these things, and you can go spend a day at his house and play games in 3D. You'll probably come away thinking that it was pretty rad until your the top of your nose starts to hurt because the glasses are uncomfortable. I was also, say, I mean, we have a 3D TV at work, and I'll say that no one goes out of their way to play it on yeah. 3D. Right, but that's what that's what I mean by growing pains. Is like right now it's inconvenient, it's that's, annoying, but like eventually, like media is going to go 3D. That doesn't that doesn't strike me as growing pains. That strikes me as stillbirth. <laughs> I mean, it, like people just aren't showing an interest. Yeah, like it seems like they don't care. And I, I mean, like it might become this niche thing that people can do, mm-hmm. but it, first of all, the studios have handled it badly, and second of all, these studios, in collusion with the hardware manufacturers, have handled it badly mm-hmm. because instead of making the biggest 3D movies widely available. They sign exclusivity deals with specific TV manufacturers. So the only way you can get the biggest 3D movie of all time is to buy a specific company's 3D TV. Which is ridiculous. Or any, like a bunch of other, like Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs is only available in 3D from a specific TV manufacturer. Right, but the biggest 3D movie of all time isn't going to be the biggest 3D movie of all time forever. Right, the next you the know. sequel to the biggest 3D movie of all <laughs> right. time will be the next biggest 3D movie of all right. time. And, and, and then they're going to be wanting to do 3D and 60 hertz. Like, that's James Cameron's big plan for Avatar 2. I actually wow. think that's a fantastic idea. Yeah. I think that the budget for that movie is going to be $400 million. That's not so Because they're generating... how to spend it. They're, they're, <laughs> it's outrageous. They're generating twice the number of special effects shots, basically. Yep, you'll probably make it back. And actually, yeah. I think forty-eight hertz is what they're shooting for. That is, it's double twenty-four p- uh, frames per second, and it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like I, re- I remember the first three D movie I saw in theaters was Coraline, and it seemed really framey and jittery. And I was mm-hmm. like, you know, with this three D, especially with three D animations, like mm-hmm. I'm a guy who loves twenty-four p. I love it. <laughs> but I mean, and I hate. I, I there are a lot of times when I don't like seeing things in sixty frames per second. There, there yeah. are some games I do, and some games I don't. Um, but Unreal when it comes 3 to th- shit looks weird at 60 frames a second, what's that Unreal Engine three shit looks weird at 60 frames a that, second. That's very true. But, uh, there was something about the, th- the third dimension seeing stuff, something stereoscopic where I was like, you know, this really just should be as smooth as real life. If we're going for 
3D and everything's supposed to have a really solid feel, make it 6D. I mean, even well, if it's if it's a if it's 48 hertz and it's you know active shutter one eye and then the other, mm-hmm. then that's 24p anyway. Right. Whoa. What are we talking about? <laughs> I don't believe that's the case, actually. I think it is. I is mean, it? at least that's the way it works with games. Huh. Is that if you're watching a... Uh, that's why I say the game still runs at 60 FPS, yeah, but if you're you ro- see it at 30. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, the point is is that... It's not going to be that way in the theaters, to be like, honest. It's going to be uh, whatever the other technology. 3, 3D attendance. shutter in the theaters. Yes. Like, 3D oh. attendance is, is down significantly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it continues to fall, even for big movies. Like, big tentpole 3D movies. Mm-hmm. I think Transformers is going to be a big test this weekend. Um, it would help if that wasn't such a crappy movie. Except it's being lauded as, as the most impressive use of 3D ever in its final scene. And that's including Avatar. What movie? Mm-hmm. The, the new Transformers I'm, movie. Uh, cool. It's like it's it's Michael Bay saying, "Well, if we're gonna do 3D, I'm gonna ram 3D so far up your ass it comes out of your mouth, <laughs> and you say thank you." Um, but I mean, the point is, is that studios are banking on this, and now it's not happening, and analysts are pointing out that it's not happening. Mm-hmm. There's so many problems. I mean, to me, it feels like such a a content problem. Yeah, like I love 3D. I uh, maybe I'm just the wrong audience. I don't want to see fucking Transformers movie, but if you went and shot a bunch of animals like in 3D or just went and did like crazy planet earth documentary or something like that and it was a, it was running in so a theater good. near me i would go watch i would go watch that immediately yeah, i like mean we, it used we, to we be we saw the uh, the herzog Werner uh, caves the documentary caves in whatever 3D? that is. cave forgotten caves or cave of the forgotten something or something others something like that and uh, the uh, the herzog Wernerisms aside seeing that in 3D was actually incredible it wouldn't because have been the same thing in 2D. No, not at all. Right. Well, I mean, watching Avatar in 2D is oh, not yeah, the same totally as no, in 3D. No, no, it's completely different. Playing movie. Ocarina of Time in 3D is now not the same. Yeah. So I mean, I don't compare that to Avatar. So, so I, I totally, Dude, I, I just, totally. Uh, I think agree games are a, a better a better use for 3D than films are by like a lot. And people are buying even less in the way of 3D televisions than they're going to see 3D movies in exactly. theaters. So no, that's the thing. Is like when I played Wipeout in 3D, I was like, "This is amazing! Oh my god!" But I realized like I'm one of probably 200 people on the planet that have played this <laughs> like this. You know, it's just I, people don't care. Yeah, they super don't care. Or not only do they not care, but they're actively becoming they're they're becoming antagonistic to 3D. Yes, that is true. I think I think they don't care for now. I think it'll like even if even if 3D practically goes away in the near future, in the long run, it's just it's. I just think it's the next step. I think that there's got to be some other technology they'll come up with other than two images on top of each other to simulate depth. Yeah. All right. And that's where we're going to stop that. Yeah. Okay. Only because we've, we've, this is like the fourth time we've had this conversation. That's, that's actually true. But, I mean, Sorry. every time we have this conversation, it's spaced out a few months from the last time and stuff changes. That's true. Like, there's, the bottom has, is starting to drop out of mm-hmm. 3D movies. True. It's the summer, like that's and when I that guess stuff I wasn't starts thinking really of just two overlapping images in 3D. I was just thinking of the concept of 3D. Right. I mean, we like to touch stuff. We like stuff that looks like we could touch it. But yeah. Go on. Um, there are people fucking upstairs. There sounds certainly like are. Uh, so, anyways, um, this letter is from Hannah. 
the buffalo are mating and uh <laughs> and i'm gonna read the whole thing and, and before we all respond to it I, okay. I mean i think it's a pretty easy answer myself um she says over the years i've been sensitive portrayals of women in games for obvious reasons but the other day i realized that white female player characters have gradually been improving over the last years there remains a lack of minority characters most oh, main characters in big action games adventure games remain white Yep. Am I imagining things? I want to be clear. I'm not accusing any developer industry itself of being racist, but perhaps just out of touch. I think that uh, it's because a lot of the people that work in the industry are also white, and mm-hmm. a lot of times you default to like what you know. And I'm not saying that's right because it's it shouldn't be. But I mean, like what you, for instance, like that game. I'm going to talk about it real quick. Papo Yo. I'm just saying that game. It's a minority character, but he's also a minority developer. Mm-hmm. You know, I just think that people kind of associate these things with, with what they're most familiar with. But there are games that are doing well, it's just, different with different lead characters, like Starhawk. I mean... Yeah. Well, it's, overall, it's just a question of, you know, any industry that has a lack of diversity is going to have a lack of content that reflects diversity. Yeah. You know, like, imagine that you're, a, that you're you know, a bunch of high school white dudes, you know, who got... Or a bunch of white dudes that got together in high school and you grew up and, like, started making games and stuff like that. Are you going to make a game that that stars somebody who's going to you know reflect the the experience of a black woman in America? Well, probably not. I really hope that's not someone having sex upstairs. Because you're not going to get a little crazy. Gonna, <laughs> <laughs> Shit. You know, you're not going to feel genuine, and it's not going to come off as authentic. You know, you have to have somebody who has that kind of experience on the team in order to do that. You, and you know, write all, what you know. Yeah, you write what you know. You know, it's like when people do TV shows and stuff like that, the star black characters, you know, there may be a lead writer who's white, but they have other writers on the team who are black, you know, they or they go out and they do a whole fuck ton of research to try to make it happen. I'm just saying it's it's a question of a lack of diversity in game development in general. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. And there I mean, mo- there's there's a sort of ca- it's. There's not really a good way to put it other than to call it casual racism. Mm-hmm. Like in our society, which is that we just determine white is normal. Yeah, like exactly. that's, like the, that's norm. the default. Yeah, like so when in it, the same thing like transfers to gay characters or to like depictions of gay people in media, like stuff like seeing a, a pair of straight characters holding hands in a movie means nothing to people. But mm-hmm. if it's a pair of gay characters holding hands, then they're flaunting it. Yeah. Right. It's I mean, it's just that yeah. people default to characters that represent the majority rather than the minority in their mind. Mm-hmm. It's just like. Or the majority influence, even if it's not the majority populace. Like true, California right now is a minority majority state. Right, you know the white still makes up the majority single ethnic group, but you know there are less white people. And I would like to just point out that when I say the word minority, it is not a pejorative. It is just indicating there are less than. Yeah, you're just talking like someone from the census. It's cool. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) when I was growing up, even my mom referred to us as minority family. So. We are weird. I mean, not not increasingly less so that my dad's Mexican, my mom's white. That's becoming more common, but mm-hmm. my dad was shunned for marrying outside the brood. Oh, yeah. That still happens, unfortunately. So, did her... Was that her, the end of her question? Yeah, she just wanted to know if she was just, like... You're not crazy, Hannah. No, you're not crazy. It is true. I mean, like I would always tell people, like, name me, like, even three games with a black protagonist. But I've actually, I read a lot of feminist blogs and stuff like that, and there's a lot of them that talk about, you know, the the uptick in the last five years or so. You're just trying of, to get laid, white knight. My girlfriend's right here. I don't really need to I find somebody. 
Yeah. <laughs> so, like, the... But they've been talking a lot about how there seems to be an uptick in uh, the portrayal of strong female characters in ways that they approve. At least in... T- not in terms of... I'm not saying just in terms of... Uh, Is that fucking Ocarina of Time? It sounded sort of like it, but not quite, but... There is some weird shit going on around this apartment today. Yeah. We have always lived in this apartment since we started the podcast, and above us have always lived these fairly large people that we refer to as the buffalo. Because when they <laughs> when they move around the apartment, it's like they heard, and you can always hear it. You know, I can tell exactly. Like, oh, they're in their living room. Oh, they're in the living room. Plus, they do like all this weird movement and construction work at like three in the morning. Dude, they are definitely <laughs> cooking meth up there or something. But they're too fat to do meth. So I know that they ain't doing, they ain't taking their own product. But There's man. three of them up there, and then the other day I saw another girl walking with all of them into their apartment. I was just telling Anthony they recruited another one. Yeah. <laughs> the buffaloes it. are gathering. <laughs> so. Um, I don't call them buffaloes because they're fat. I call them buffaloes because they stampede all over their fucking apartment. Yeah, me all too. All the time. <laughs> Have you ever heard bumping and thudding in the podcast? It's from our fucking upstairs neighbors. It's uh, totally true. Hopefully not our upstairs neighbors fucking yeah. I've had I've had roommates before that... Oh boy, trying uh, to watch was, bowling balls do it. I had one roommate that was this <laughs> tiny little girl, and I swear to God, she sounded like a buffalo when she would walk around, because she would just pound when I'm she so walked for some reason. I'm so glad you said walk around. So, um, the next question is from Matt. Um, and I'm he sorry. writes in, and he says, I'm a huge fan of third-person shooters. Uh... But with first-person shooters becoming more prevalent, it seems like the genre is dying. I'm going to stop him right there. Becoming? <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm gonna say, but I'm going to say, he seems like the genre is dying. Let's go over the fact of how it's not dying. Okay. Right? There's Uncharted 3 coming out this year that it has some platform, but it's a third-person shooter, I would say. Yep. There's, uh, God, what's that game called where you can change gravity? Oh. Um, it's from the Time Shift people. dudes. Well, anyways, Don't there's a game. There's the next game from the Time Shift people that's a third-person shooter. Sorry, once they Gears. finish Halo Anniversary, there's dead to Gears me. of War, which is a third-person shooter. Like third-person shooters are not dying; they're just as prevalent in my mind as they have been in a long time. You are you are doing it wrong. I mean, maybe there was a moment where people tried to jump on the Gears bandwagon mm-hmm. and and make third-person shooters, and maybe it tilted back towards FPS a little bit because. Modern, modern warfare, warfare destroyed the world right yeah i just don't feel like they're any less prevalent though no like, no um okay i mean you've got space marine coming out this summer too also a third person shooter yeah an action game although it comes out two weeks before gears of war so no one is gonna buy that game oh i'm gonna buy it no one no one besides anthony and the few other people that own warhammer 40k models are going to buy it yeah so um, and i'll buy it out of devotion i'll buy it for the title <laughs> okay space marine. marie a couple more this one's from brian and it's and it's totally ungame related but uh he says how do i politely ask someone to stop trying to sell me on a religion i work at a construction oh. camp and i stay about three weeks at a time each time i return to, uh, to camp and go to pick up my bags from storage the guy sits down to me and talks to me about islam uh, I should start by saying wow, that, that was that unexpected. I'm, yeah, I know, right? I should start by saying that I am typically respectful to evangelists because their intent is to save you, right? In contrast, what kind of friend would believe that you're going to go to hell and not try and do something about it? I can understand that. True. I've told him that I'm an atheist and that I believe in the scientific method. While I have been known to enjoy religious debate, um, that's says, one person. He says I've invited door-to-door Mormons in my home, for instance. 
dedicating mm-hmm. 1.5 hours every time I return to the site uh, can be excessive. Mm-hmm. Midway through my first sit down with him, I regretted it. His English skills are mediocre at best, so adding to the painfulness of the conversation, I'm also concerned that if I tell him I will never accept the Quran as a matter of principle, I might come off as rude. He's a nice guy, so I don't want to slight him. Um, you can just tell him you don't have time to talk a few times, and maybe he get the hint. Yeah, I, I think that's that's a, an appropriate thing. Say you have a prior engagement and you just gotta go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think that you would tell him that, or don't go in until it's time for him to pray. Or I would just say that was you know, five times. I've had these problems, and I have not always been able to handle it well. No, mm. no, you have not. <laughs> Usually, do tell. Just uh, there I, was one time when we both worked a tower. Mm-hmm. I start off by humoring them. I'm like, tell me more. Because mm-hmm. I want to hear where they're coming from so that I can build up the ways that I want to tear it down. So, <laughs> so to skip this, there was this dude that came into tower that wanted to talk about, wanted to spread the good news about Jesus Christ all mm-hmm. the time. And Anthony and I were working and Anthony engaged in conversation with him because Anthony doesn't know not to fall for this trap. Yeah. Uh, but then the guy started saying things about gays and evil, if I remember correctly. Correct. Mm. And things started to get heated. Oh, yeah. That's I mean, a tough one. I don't mind having that conversation with someone. Like, I totally... I'm not saying that they're right at oh, all. you were getting pissed. But I, but, I, but I do have friends that honestly believe homosexuality is sin. And, and I know exactly why they feel that way. I know mm. biblically why they feel that way. And because mm. they have this logical conceit that they look at this as the word of God, it makes perfect sense. I understand their worldview is just different from mine, and I can live with them and be friends with them still, even though I we fundamentally disagree about that. But yeah, this guy was just being increasingly aggressive, and I did the dumb thing, which was respond with aggression. Right, but, yeah. So finally, I had to get on the intercom uh, at Tower and <laughs> ask Anthony to report to the back room. <laughs> just so to they, save him from himself. Yes, yeah, so that he would, it would save him from himself. <laughs> but I think the best way to handle this is just to tell him that while you appreciate the talks and stuff, because you realize that like only someone that cared, you know, would do this, that you're not really comfortable discussing this, and that you, it's you just fundamentally can't share those beliefs. Like I don't know, he might not talk to you anymore, but. Uh, so if you want to be a good person, do what Anthony said. If you want, if to, you, if want you want to just to get out of there, be over. Yeah. yeah, deceit, deception, lies. What's well, not lies? You don't have time to deal with this bullshit. You just said it. Oh yeah, I would have made up a more elaborate lie. <laughs> That's how I roll. My sister is coming to town in to eat spaghetti. <laughs> I have to go eat some pork and have some premarital sex. Yeah, <laughs> and get drunk. Right. right. Of course, you could just say, well, actually, I'm a fundamentalist Christian, and we believe that uh, any religion other than ours... See, the reason this guy still likes you is that you don't have a religion. Yeah. So you, it's much easier right, right, to convert right. a non-believer than... Somebody who know. has a conflicting belief. Right. <sighs> um, That's a bummer. Okay. I'm just going to read one last question. Sounds like a, that was a message for Tyler. It actually... Specifically, the title says, Help, Tyler! Evangelist doesn't want me to go <laughs> to hell. Tyler is not the person And then you at the very end, it says, What would shit. Tyler Barber do? Which is like why I'm reading when Tyler isn't here. Yes, because yeah. Tyler is. Tyler would say, No, you tell him he's full of shit. Yeah. yeah so, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I've you dealt You tell with, him that you won't stand for that. I've dealt with all kinds of crazy people, man. Yeah. So, I've yep. been to lots of crazy churches. I've even had a really uncomfortable dinner with my friend's mom where it came up whether or not I believed in her brother's church where they were 
having people speak in tongues and laying hands. Mm. And she asked me what I thought about all that. Totally out of nowhere. Mm. I was like, motherfucker. Yeah, you don't know what the right answer is. Oh, I knew what the right answer was. Well, I just said what I, I was well, like. I, I knew I what was the right like, answer is for you, but I mean, to in order to preserve the situation, like you don't, uh, you don't know what they're expecting. It was a very uncomfortable dinner for the rest of the time. I just told her, yeah. I believe that these people believe they are experiencing something, and to them it is real. Mm-hmm. They are actually experiencing something that I don't understand. Much like a schizophrenic believes the voices in his head. Exactly. They're experiencing <laughs> something. Something in their brain chemicals going on. But I do not believe that that is induced by a, you know, unexplained spiritual presence. Right. Mm. So she did not like me. Uh, <laughs> Halo 4 question from Sean. Nice. He okay. says, so Arthur was of the opinion that Halo 4 may be re-announced, re-announced for the Xbox successor. Yep. I don't see why. I think releasing on the 360 is a much more logical move. I think he mentioned, sorry for being nitpicky, Halo jumping the Mac as an example. But that was during a time when Microsoft was going about grabbing exclusives and opportunistically bought out Bungie. I had never mentioned Halo jumping the Mac as an example. So why do you think Halo 4 might not be a 360 game, though? Uh, because that would be pretty much the most beautiful system-launching stroke they could possibly make next Christmas, mm-hmm. is to attach Halo to it. And also, that would completely separate talk of Halo and how much it sells versus Call of Duty from any sort of discussion. When they announced it, did they debut it as a... As a 360 game? He said it was a 360 game. Okay. Um, we heard some stuff during E3 that led me to believe that they are not so sure of that. I'm um, I'm totally with Arthur on this one. I think they they use that as their system seller. Well, yeah, it'd be, it'd be like having... Uh, They're not going to release Halo in September and a system in November, and it it seems increasingly clear that they're going to release a system next November. It'd yeah. be like their Twilight Princess, basically, like yeah. the best thing that like, it would be their Halo Xbox One launch. <laughs> yeah, with Halo. Right, well, right. I'm just saying that, that when Twilight Princess came out, I know plenty of people that bought Wii's at launch because of that. Like they weren't yeah. going to buy one at launch, then when Twilight Princess was coming out on it, and that's with it. A game that came out on both the new system and the old system at the and same time. I, I mean, I, I, there was another rumor that surfaced this week, for, this time from a source inside of Microsoft's Entertainment Devices division, that Microsoft is announcing a new system at Next E3. I mean, it makes and, sense. It's like six years in the life cycle. For some reason, yeah. I don't understand why people keep doing this. They keep thinking they're going to announce it in 2012 and release it Christmas 2013. No. But that's not what Microsoft does. Yeah. Like, they announce their shit and then they release it that year. Yep. Um,. So yeah, I think we're going to have a new Xbox next year, and I think we're going to have a new Halo with it. I think you are totally right. I I agree 100%. And then when we're all wrong, we're all wrong. And when you (laughs) write in letters to say it, retroactive, I am am preemptively saying, fuck you. I mean, it's fine if if I'm, I don't mind being wrong, but I'm going to enjoy being right when they announce a new system next year. Um, You can send in your own letters that you want us to answer uh, to letters at eat-sleep-game.com. And if they're cool, I'll read them. <laughs> and if they're not, I'm just going to roll my eyes at them and skip them. We may, in point of fact, read them when Anthony's not here. Um, <laughs> That's true, too. So, I'm on Twitter, at Chuff Money. Ryan O'Donnell is at Ryan O'Donnell, mm-hmm. with two N's and two L's. Yep. And Matt Chandrenay is at Talking Orange. Yep. And Arthur is at A-E-G-I-E-S. I'm also going to be gone next week on vacation with my lovely girlfriend who's sitting here next to me. Uh, I like saying that because otherwise people think she's not real. Great. (laughs) So, uh, thank you for listening. And I guess, you know, we'll probably see you next week in your eardrums. 
while you're making love. <laughs> that would be really weird if the upstairs neighbors listen to the podcast. <laughs> and they finally realize that I called them Buffalo. We're not Buffalo or Bison. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Just it. <laughs>